Drama on One. Sundays at 8pm. rta.ie forward slash drama on one. Drama on one. You're listening to RTE Radio 1. Drama on One is offered as a podcast at rte.ie forward slash drama on one and of course here on RTE Radio 1 on Sunday nights. Tonight, paradoxically, we broadcast Morning Coffee by Dermot Bulger. Eamon Morrissey plays a stranger who drives into the yard of an elderly couple. Is this seemingly benign intrusion the action of a man seeking to make atonement for his past? Or an action sure to wreak havoc on the lives of an unsuspecting couple? This play raises issues that some listeners may find upsetting. With Dunica Crowley, Helen Roach and Tatiana Uliankina, this is Morning Coffee by Dermot Bulger. I'm almost finished, Mrs. Cunningham, just to give the cooker a last clean. Play the radio if you like, Carolina. Don't be stressing yourself. I'd like to be gone before Mr. Cunningham comes in for his coffee. Oh, sure, John wouldn't say boo to a goose. The gentlest man I know. He thinks you're the bee's knees, how you have the house gleaming. And please, call him John and me, Julia. You are both very friendly. Not everyone in Ireland is. I like thinking of you as a friend calling in. Maybe that's my stupid pride because I don't feel old enough to be needing a cleaner. But once John saw your handwritten sign in the centre in the village last month, nothing would do but for him to phone you. I'm glad of the work when my little girl's in school. And I'm glad to have you. Because if I'm honest, it's a big empty farmhouse and I'm slowing down. Not that we get callers. But it'll be great to have the place spick and span when our son and his family visit for John's birthday. If nothing else, it'll stop them fretting about us. Next week, unlock the parlour and I'll give it a good dusting. Our granddaughters always turn it into their den. It's a lovely room. You should sit there at night with a nice fire. I prefer this kitchen. It's cosier. Daddy kept the parlour for visitors or for himself. It's funny. He's 30 years dead and yet I still feel uncomfortable in there at times. But listen to me, delaying you. Head off and get your shopping done. I'll finish here. I've been scrubbing that Belfast sink since my mother died when I was nine. She must have been very young. I'm sorry to hear that. By the age of ten, I was lady of the manor and chief skivvy here. I remember how crowded the parlour was when we laid Mammy out there. Neighbours coming for miles, she was so popular. And then how quiet the church seemed. Barely a handful. I don't understand. It was a mortal sin back then for Catholics to enter a Protestant church. Our neighbours gathered outside, paying their respects as best they could. With us inside, like a shrinking lost tribe. I didn't know you were Protestant. And it's years since I've called myself anything. I only ever found religion lonesome. Lots of things were lonesome. And then your John arrived, the strong, silent type. <laughs> well, he was strong and certainly silent. Daddy didn't like John being near the house. And he wasn't keen on me being outside either. Only for it being a summer's day so hot that tar was melting on the road and Daddy was away at the mart... I don't think John would ever have knocked on this kitchen door. He was so parched, I could barely make out his plea for a glass of water. 
How many weeks had he worked here by then? Weeks? <laughs> it was the bones of two years. I'd never got two words out of him before then, except, yes, miss. And me dying to know who this farm labourer was from the west of Ireland and why he always kept himself to himself. So it wasn't love at first sight? Oh, I think it was. But we didn't know it or, or dare do anything about it for the longest time because Daddy would have chased him off the farm with a pitchfork. It was all secret glances. Daddy was very territorial. This farm was in his family for generations. He'd have loved a son, and all he had was me. I'm sure he loved you. He mainly loved cheap labour, and that's what he got with John. Someone who worked every hour and never complained. Look at him now, two weeks shy of 70, and out on a tractor since dawn. But John never stops working. Except for coffee with you every morning. True. But that's only in the last three years. And it doesn't mean you have to rush to be out of our way. I feel... What's the expression? Like a blackberry. What do you mean? Someone in a way. <laughs> a gooseberry. <laughs> it's where we were teenagers courting. The way he looks at you is special. I could stand here naked and he wouldn't even see me when walking at the door. <laughs> we mightn't put that to the test. I joke. But how he looks at you is not joke. Very romantic. That's a word I wouldn't associate with my life. But you're right. There's sides of John you wouldn't see. When the grandchildren travel over, he's like a child himself, letting them ride on the tractor and wave to the cows. They love it here. They think it's so free. Not a word I'd have used as a girl. John is romantic too, but just not with words. That's where this coffee maker comes in. I don't understand. Three years ago, we got lucky in that the specialist found my cancer in time. Not that chemo was easy. John driving me to Waterford Regional Hospital and I could see the unspoken pain inside him. Sitting with me until my turn came and I'd have to prise his fingers away. He clenched my hand so tight. Him stalking around our keen shopping centre until it was time to collect me. And one afternoon... He turns up with this posh DeLonghi coffee maker I didn't even know how to use. I wanted to get you flowers, he says. But it was a woman florist, and I didn't want to look like an idiot, not knowing what flowers to ask for. The man in the electrical shop says that this model is top of the range. It didn't need to be. The price would keep us an instant coffee for years. <laughs> so this coffee maker was your bouquet of flowers? As close as he could get to one. Something with a plug he could discuss with a man. And since then you have coffee every morning. In the early months I hadn't the strength or desire to make it. But the morning I got the all clear, I used it for the first time. Just him and me, celebrating the miracle of both still being here. Our special time. Fifteen minutes when the world can go to hell. Including me. Ah, no, Carolina, that's not what I meant. I know, but I hear him outside. Is the place okay? You've done a great job. Then I'll be gone. No more gooseberry.
Is that Carolina away? It is. What's the weather doing? It'll spit rain later, but I'll be long finished. An early start was wise. I'm too old to enjoy lions. I doubt you ever had a lion. And you were out until all hours last night, nursing your solitary bottle of stout like a glorified taxi driver to let those latchikos from up the road drink themselves stupid, boring the barman until closing time. It's the only time in the week those old bachelors get out. They'd go daft on their own, afraid of robbers every time their dogs bark at night. Joe Flaherty says he's taken to sleeping with a loaded shotgun. <laughs> that sounds like Joe. Takes him 80 years to finally share his bed with anything. I'd sooner let those men bore me every Tuesday than call in to find one dead and think I never did nothing for a neighbour. It'll probably be you who finds them in turn because you're the only neighbour who calls. Social workers should be checking them. Social workers are strangers. Those men have their pride. They take advantage of your kindness. Up and down on the tractor with their shopping when the road was impassable in the floods. They made me welcome here when big farmers barely gave me the time of day. Ah, no. Stop reliving ancient history. I move with the times. Who bought you this coffee machine? <laughs> and who still can't work it? I won't do you out of a job. Remember when we thought instant coffee the height of sophistication? Have we any biscuits? Two only. Remember what the doctor said. Have you hermesitis? You'd swear he had crack cocaine in the sugar bowl from how that young doctor talked about my blood pressure. Thank God he never saw the salt your father piled on every meal. It's a wonder the man hadn't a heart attack sooner. Though he came close the day we told him you were eloping off to a Dublin registry office to marry me. He came around to the notion. With smitting salts. Daddy was a strange man. I suppose he wanted to ensure his farm would be looked after. God knows who I'm looking after it for. Maybe we should sell up. And buy an apartment, is it? For you to stalk the corridors? I was born here, and please God, I'll die here. And our grandchildren wouldn't come over so often without fields to run in. Here. Enjoy your coffee. I've been looking forward to it all morning. I just hope we get to enjoy it in peace. How do you mean? Look out the window. Someone's driving into the yard. Hopefully a lost tourist making a turn. Cheeky, but better than anyone landing in on us. There, he's done his three-point turn. He's going. Wishful thinking. He's parking out there, staring into space. At least he's not shuffling brochures, so he's no salesman. Could he be a Department of Agriculture inspector? Too old. He's in black. He might be a mourner looking for a funeral. Nobody could have died without us hearing. Could he be a policeman with news of the children? An accident or something? The children are grand. He looks like the sort who retire from a high-powered job and have too much time on their hands. Those lads never adjust to being put out to pasture. They need a crusade. Whoever he is, he's making us make the first move. Be friendly. Aren't I always courteous? But I'll not be over-friendly till I see what it costs to get rid of him. He better not be collecting signatures for a petition. I'd sooner be fleeced for cash than have some stranger ask me to object to a local family applying for planning permission. If he's selling coffee machines, tell him we have one. If only we had the peace on quiet to use it. <laughs> That's a hardly morning. Are you lost? Not anymore. Although you weren't easy to find. You don't remember me, do you, John? 
I'm bad with faces. The name is Desmond, if that helps. Are you related to any of the bachelors up the road? Oh, I was never in Kilkenny until I set out to find you. You're not one of them financial brokers in Dublin. My son encouraged me to see. Do I look like a broker? People said you'd have a fine farm here when I sought directions. They got confused because I asked for the Cunningham farm. Locals still call this the Devereux farm. It's good that all surnames live on. A good Protestant name. And we raised two good atheists from it. A son in Switzerland and our daughter, a barrister in Dublin. Have you grandchildren, John? If you knew me, you wouldn't need to ask. And if you don't, it's not really your concern. Oh, I'm over-inquisitive. Sorry, I... I just always hoped life worked out well for you. I've a field half sprayed and I'm anxious to beat the rain. Is there something I can help you with? I want to help you. You still don't know me, do you? I could use a clue. A half century ago, you never called me Desmond, although I said you could. Back then, though I wasn't much older than you, it was Father Coyne. What can I do for you, Father? Well, you needn't call me Father. I prefer Desmond. I prefer Father. You've done well. I've worked hard. I'm not surprised. You were always a good lad. I'm no lad, Father. That's what the farmers who gave my father the odd day's work called him, when he was an old man bent double in their fields. I'm a busy man. Are you collecting for something? Why would I be collecting money? People in Roscommon always said that when a postal order arrived from England, the parish priest grabbed one shilling every time the money changed hands. I wasn't your parish priest. I was his dog's body. Whatever you were, I don't know what you're doing here. Maybe I'm the last person you ever wanted to see again, but it would mean a lot if you gave me ten minutes. Is that your wife coming out? Do me a favour, Father. Start your car and drive away. Do you know how hard you were to track down? I know I never asked you to. Is everything okay? Hello, Mrs Cunningham. Sorry for landing on you. I'm an old friend of John's. This is Father Coyne, Julia. He was the curate in Kilgara in Roscommon when I was a boy. I was passing and I just thought I'd look in on my old parishioner. I hope I'm not intruding. Has John not asked you in? I'll be insulted if you won't take a cup of tea. Am I intruding, John? Well, the rain may hold off a while yet. We were having coffee in the kitchen. We'll unlock the parlour and have tea there. We rarely get to use it. You look tired, Father. Have you driven far? Oh, oh, call me Desmond, please. I'll be grand once I walk a few steps. Give the man a hand, John. You don't look well, Desmond. Oh, I'm not long out of hospital. I thought the drive wouldn't tire me so much. Let's get you inside. John doesn't get many visitors from Roscommon. My siblings left for England the day they finished school. If my mother had been alive, they'd have written home, but when a mother dies... Ah, that that, that was the way with families. Tea would be lovely, Mrs Cunningham, but but, but please, no fuss with food. I've no appetite since the chemo. I thought you looked gaunt. I endured chemo myself three years back. Oh, I'm finished the chemo, thank God. Then your appetite will soon come back. Uh, now, 
Mind the step. Well, my appetite had better hurry up. The doctors only give me another 18 months. Settle yourself on that sofa, Desmond. Oh, you're too kind, Mrs Cunningham. Call me Julia. We're glad of the company. It's very quiet, except when Catherine comes home some weekends. Is that your daughter, the barrister in Dublin? It took time to build up her practice, but she's flying now. And you've a son in Switzerland? Mm, I didn't think he'd settle over there, but he loves it. Twin girls he has. Had you hoped he might stay on to keep the farm going? I worked hard to give them an education to get them out into the world. John, will you fetch the little table from the hall? Excuse us a second, Desmond. Grab that coffee table. You never mentioned a father calling to me. Sure, I barely knew the man. I knew him once or he wouldn't have come. I'll make tea and use the bone china. It'll give you men a chance to talk. I've nothing to say to him. He obviously has something to say to you. No man that ill calls for no reason. Are you all right, John? Why wouldn't I be? Because I know you. Have I said a word? You keep things inside you. Sitting up some nights, and the only way I know anything is wrong is the, the whiskey smell when you finally come to bed. How often does that happen? Once every few years. Yet you store it up to use against me. What has you rattled? I'm holding nothing against you. I'm just saying that at first... I thought you didn't show emotion until I learned to read the signs. You disappear into yourself at times. I get indigestion and, and I can't sleep. I'm rattled now because I'm flummoxed as to why this fellow's here. And I've one eye out for rain. Go in and talk. I'll not be long. I suppose... You're wondering why I came, John. The thought crossed my mind, Father. You needn't call me Father. I've no reason to call you anything else. We're hardly total strangers, John. I've a new life, Father. It took decades to build. So you are a stranger. If you're collecting for charity, name a sum and I'll fetch my checkbook. I'm sure you've other calls to make and this farm won't run itself. Why would I come seeking money in my state? Didn't you hear me say I, I've not got long left? Oh, not that I'm seeking sympathy. I'm seeking forgiveness. I've come to apologise. I don't know what you're talking about. I think you do. I do my own thinking these days, Father. Then surely you've thought about the harm I did to you. It's all I think about these days. No disrespect, Father, but you've made a journey for nothing. I barely remember you. Maybe you're confusing me with someone else. Oh, are you all right, John? You're shaking. A bad stomach. I'll take a few slugs of Marlox when Julia comes back to keep you entertained. Oh, I don't need entertaining. Then what the hell do you want? To talk man to man. I know my arrival is a shock, and, and trust me, standing before you is the hardest thing I've ever done. But... It does us no good to bury the past. I've buried nothing. Now, keep your voice down, in case my wife hears your insinuations. What do you remember? I make it my business not to remember. I've a farm to run. But you do remember. 
Only on rare nights when my resolve weakens and I let one whiskey become two. Once one whiskey becomes two, it can easily become six. I learned that as a child, watching my father. Ah, I remember your father as a good man. I remember him as weak. It's easier to see goodness when you're not the child gone hungry because of his weaknesses, lying awake, listening to him sit up singing maudlin songs to himself, knowing that with each drink there was less chance of him finding casual work because he'd be crippled with the shakes. Ah, alcoholism was an illness he was afflicted with. Back then my father wasn't regarded as ill. He was the butt of every joke. He was regarded as weak, like a child with a stammer. I remember neighbours looking down on him because he couldn't cope after my mother's death. If you felt sorry for him, you were in a minority of one in that piss-pot dung-heap parish where even Master Darty, the teacher, barely had an arse in his trousers because he spent his wages spouting nonsense and drinking Jamison in McGrath's bar. I remember other children mocking me for being half-starved. But they were equally powerless to stop the master's beatings when he flew into his furies. He could hit me harder than anyone because my father counted as nobody. No one cared about me, least of all the old canon in the confessional. Even with my face battered, he only wanted to know had I sinful thoughts of girdles. I was too young to think of girdles. I could only think about hunger and making myself invisible to stop Darty using me as his punch bag. Uh, Kilgara was a tough parish, all right. Then you arrived, trying to change everything at once, tugging out with the Gaelic team, scoring points, because lads were too cowed to clatter you challenging for the ball. Half the parish thought you were a saint, and the other half, including the canon, thought you were Karen Marks. <sighs> Being a seminarian was a type of arrested adolescence. I left Maynooth knowing everything about theology and nothing about life. You knew more than your prayers, Father. Do you remember my car? I remember an extra collection at Mass for months to buy one. The canon reading out what every family contributed. The social hierarchy of the parish in pounds, shillings and pence, using his tone of voice to express approval or disapproval, and then pity when he reached my father's name. We lived on bread and dripping, just so our name could make that list. I didn't even need a car. I could have borrowed the canon's one when I got called out at night to visit the sick or dying, but oh, he wasn't risking having a young upstart scratch his prized arsenal. You still got it, whether you wanted it or not. I didn't know what I wanted back then. That was no impediment to you. There was great power in a clerical collar. Far too much power. I'm too busy to dwell on those times. Your powerlessness was a terrible affliction. But absolute power is terrible too. Immaturity, immunity and loneliness make a dangerous cocktail. Do you remember anything that happened in my car? You gave me a lift once to a county final. Do you remember what happened after the match and eight or nine times after that? I remember Kilgara Gales winning by a pint from a late free kick. There was the usual shamazzle, fists flying. Oh, forget about the match. For Christ's sake, man, do you think I've lain awake for years and tracked you down to talk about a bloody Gaelic match? Easy with the language, Father. Julia wasn't raised with bad language. I doubt if Protestants know that priests curse. At 13, you didn't know that priests did lots of things. And within a few months, you did. No disrespect. 
but you've come on a wild goose chase. You've mixed me up with somebody else. Whoever he is, I'd lay odds he has long forgotten whatever's troubling you. Isn't it time maybe you did the same? For God's sake, John, this isn't easy. I'm trying to talk to you. Can you look at me instead of staring out that window? I'm trying to gauge how long before the rain. I don't take orders anymore, Father. This is my house where you've turned up unwelcomed and uninvited. I thought it better that I call rather than the police. Why would the police call? I've done nothing wrong. But I did. To you. Chemotherapy sickens a man to the core, but it gives you time to think about whatever evil you did, especially when you're running out of time. For years, I've lain awake, subconsciously awaiting my fate, a midnight knock from the Gardee. Now I know it's not the Gardee coming for me. Cancer is my judge, jury and executioner. I've not long left. Too short a sentence for what I did to you, but I'll willingly serve it in jail. As the innocent victim, you must be compensated. You deserve more than any bit of savings I can leave you. I don't want your money. I'm damn all. The diocese keeps priests on a tight leash. They work us until we drop, then hoover up any cash. But if I'm convicted, you could take a legal case for compensation against the diocese. I've no right to ask for anything, but I'm asking one favour for the right to be found guilty of the wrong I did. No judge can condemn me more than I condemn myself. You owe me nothing, but maybe you owe the innocent boy I destroyed the justice he deserves. Look around you, man. Do you see anything of that half-starved boy here? I'm farming 190 acres. Crucify yourself if you want, but why drag me into it? I can't confess to the police without an injured party, John. There can't be a victimless crime. Then find a victim somewhere else. Men like you were shielded and moved between parishes with barely a slap on the wrist. Why pick my name from your list, especially when I don't remember what you're talking about? I won't deny that celibacy was always a battle, John. Occasionally, I came close to abusing again, desperate for human contact. But I fought against that impulse until my knuckles bled. You were my only victim, but one too many. I don't want to die with this on my soul, even though I realise we have no souls and face oblivion. But if I'm not answerable to God, I'm answerable to myself. I must name you if I give a statement to the police. They'll come and ask you to make a formal complaint. I want to cut through all that. And do what? Accompany me to the police station in Kilkenny. If we both make statements, it's an open and shut case. Tell your wife where we're going or, or tell her nothing. I hope, for your sake, you've told her what happened at some stage and talked through this with someone. Counselling is important. Even if I knew what you're talking about. Do you think I'd burden my wife with such things? Half the parish thought you were daft. Now you've lost your mind entirely. I was weak and immature and lonely and unprepared for real life. I did wrong, but I want to put it right. You won't have to testify if I make a full confession. You just need to confirm my statement that I did. 
inappropriate things and conjoled you into doing them to me. I know I wasn't any kind of Father Brendan Smith physically forcing you to do things in so much as you understood what was happening. I remember you as grateful for any affection, not just for chocolate and lemonade, but being made to feel special. I never used force. I used kindness to prey on your vulnerability. I never raped you. Even before people spoke about such things, I know in my heart that what I was doing was wrong. Uh, 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 for God's sake, John, please, you're choking me. Choking would be too good for you. Now you listen to me for a change. Have I got your full attention? Oh, John, please, I can't breathe. This is nothing compared to what I'll do if you dare say such a thing again. Say what, John? I'll blow your brains out with Julia's father's shotgun if you suggest you didn't rape me. I, I didn't, John. There was no penetration. Y you remember it wrong. I remember everything. You using my mouth for your pleasure. But never with force. I gave you pleasure and afterwards you wanted to give pleasure to me. I never made you do anything. You were so powerful. You didn't need to say things to make me do them. I was so scared of displeasing you of being cast aside, of leaving stains on your shiny leather seats. I'd have done anything to be with you. Yet I wasn't with you in that car. I was so scared that I went absent in my mind, pretending it wasn't happening. For years I tried to make myself not remember. But I do remember. And now I understand. The word is rape. But raping me as a child isn't enough for you. You want to do it again. I, I, I don't know what you mean. Please... You're strangling me. <coughs> I, oh, for a minute, I didn't know if you were going to let go. Oh, God forgive me, Father. Neither did I. My hands wouldn't obey me. You're red in the face. Like you're going to have a heart attack. What do you care? If I didn't care, I wouldn't have come here. I can't just walk away from my guilt. I... I'm trying not to leave loose ends. It's not a loose end if nobody sees it. Your coming here never happened. You understand? Just like nothing happened in your blasted car or behind the schoolhouse or in the parochial house parlour that week when the canon had his annual drinking binge in the North Star Hotel in Dublin. Oh, mother of God. I'd forgotten about the day we were nearly caught behind the school. Then keep forgetting. When Julia comes in with tea and biscuits and kindness, tell her you had an asthma attack. I forgot to bring your inhaler, so you must leave. She is the most fundamentally decent woman, and I'll not have her upset. My sole purpose was to atone and do what's right for you. I'll tell you what's right for me. Drive out of here. When you get past Bally Ragged and away from any connection to me, drop dead at the wheel and try to kill nobody else in the crash. If I could, I would. I deserve any punishment you want. Only... Now, seeing your rage, do I understand the full damage I caused? Maybe arriving unannounced wasn't the wisest thing I ever did. You've done worse. Oh, I know only too well. But that gave me no right to attack you like I just did. I've never laid hands on another man before. I'm not a violent person. Oh, I know. You don't know me. I think I do. What attracted me was 
that you looked so lost, you reminded me of myself. That's in the past. I look at you and I don't think it is. That's why I want to bring you some closure. Closure is just a word clever people use, Father. It lets them charge vast fees to listen to wounded people's innermost thoughts. Cancer is the only closure you'll get. Do you honestly think you could keep my name off any court case? The victim can't be named unless you waive your right to anonymity. You missed the point, Father. I've earned the respect of neighbours here, despite having arrived penniless. I'll not be your victim again because how could a court case involving you happen without people still alive in Kilgara putting the clues together? They'd love to ignite malicious rumours that had spread here. I've not gone back since I buried my father. But there were whispers after the cannon got rid of you. Imagine their glee at cutting some labourer masquerading as a big farmer down to size again. I'll not be sniggered about by men on bar stools. The newspapers can't mention my name if it might identify you. And you can sue for damages. It would be something extra to leave your grandchildren. I'll not have them contaminated by your actions. Any money I leave will be earned by my own sweat. Find your own way to live with your past. But make sure you take it to the grave. I'll not be used again for your purposes. Do you understand? Oh, John... You need help for this anger that you carry inside you. I carry anger about a hundred things. Like the second daughter we would have had if Julia hadn't miscarried. But we're not stupid enough to believe our ache would vanish if we paid a stranger to listen to our cares. We live with it in our own way, not needing to discuss pain to recognise how we share it. You can't change the past, Father. Nothing can change how my father died alone, a penniless drunk, drinking methylated spirits to block out the ache of rheumatism and loneliness. Nothing can change how Julia's father worked alongside me after my marriage, with us both knowing that his solicitor had to talk about a change in his will to disinherit his own daughter for marrying me. I was civil to him, like I'm civil to everyone. But I'll not be civil if you cross my threshold again. The child whose hand shook so much he couldn't open your car door doesn't live in this house. But if you ever found him, he'd never forgive your weakness in preying on him. You may wish to carry your cross and be publicly crucified. But this is Kilkenny, not Calvary. Now, here's Julia. So straighten up or she'll think us a pair of corner boys. Are you two all right? You look a bit flushed. We were catching up. You can't be a good catch-up, eh, Father? You sound breathless, Father. Uh, well, th that's my asthma. I, I, I left the inhaler at home. Yeah. John can drive to the chemist in the village. Isn't that right, John? Uh, Father Kine can't stay. He got a call on his mobile. Yeah. Um, a sick parishioner. She may not last the night. I, I have a long drive back. Oh, surely they can send another priest to the state you're in. No, no. She asks for me. I have a responsibility. Uh, I've always tried to honour my responsibilities. All the more reason for you to have some tea before you set off. You'll feel stronger. I should get started and take a break halfway there. I'm sorry to put you to this trouble. It was no trouble. John, will you not twist his arm to take tea at least? Uh, uh, Father Coyne wants to leave. Uh, he always got what he wanted. I want us to part as friends. Are we friends, John? I was never your friend, Father. Only your parishioner. 
Will you accept a handshake at least? I never yet shook a priest's hand except after a funeral. It would feel as odd as accepting your blessing. I was in Kilkenny with my Swiss granddaughters when little Genevieve asked who these three old men in black going past were. Priests, I said. What's a priest, Grandpa? she asked. <laughs> after I finished laughing, I gave her such a hug I nearly knocked the breath from her. I'm sorry you had such a wild goose chase, Father. Will you see him out, Julia? The poor man got me mixed up with someone else entirely. I'll pray for you, John. I pray the rain holds off, Father, and I get that field sprayed. Uh, uh, it was lovely to meet you, Mrs Cunningham. There, there, there's no need to see me through my car. I'll see you to the door anyway, Father Desmond. You've a long drive. Are you all right, Joe? If there's one thing I hate, it's people disturbing our morning coffee. Let's keep that special in the time we've left. Sure, we've years left, John. Time is funny. It feels like another lifetime when I was a boy in Muscommon. But other times, it feels like only yesterday. How long ago does it feel just now? I can never understand people dragging up the past. What are my chances of a fresh coffee? In the kitchen, like always. I'd like that. I'd like you to die before me. That's a queer thing to say. Would you not be lonely? I'd be lost. But people would recognise my pain and I'd survive somehow. You'd only appear to survive on your own. Because with me gone, there'd be nobody left to recognise the way you carry pain inside you. Were you listening outside this door? I wasn't brought up to listen. That doesn't mean I didn't overhear. I told him straight. You did it to me once, but you won't do it twice. Do what? Do you really want to know the whole damn business, Julia? Haven't I known it for years, you big fool? Not the details. I don't need to know the details no more than you need to know mine. But on that day you found the courage to knock on the kitchen door and ask for a glass of water. I looked into your eyes and I knew even if you couldn't see it, that we shared secrets like wounded kindred souls. Let's go down to the kitchen. I never liked this room. Too many bad memories. At first I thought your father didn't like me because I was Catholic and poor. When did you realise the truth? We were fixing a fence in the rain in the high field. Me holding each fence post in place, him swinging his sledgehammer. I looked up. And his face. I'll never forget the sudden fury. You'll not take her from me. A wiser man might have jumped to one side. Because as that sledgehammer came down, even your father didn't know if he was going to strike the fencing post or smash open my skull. He hit the pole a blow that I thought would smash it in two. And then he raised the sledgehammer again. But still, I didn't budge from holding it even though the second blow was inches from my fingers. But in those seconds, I realised what I was stealing from him by marrying you. And he knew that I knew more about him than he wanted any man to know. We finished that fence and never said a word. After his heart attack, I watched you nurse him 
when we moved his bed down here into the parlour. You nursed him with tenderness. But never with love. He knew that, and knew that I knew. This parlour became his purgatory. Dying here and knowing no tears would be shed. This parlour wasn't my purgatory as a girl. It was far worse. That's all that needs saying. The rest goes to my grave. Never a word to the children about our caller, do you hear? I just remember a lost tourist seeking directions. Nothing to do with us. Let's start our coffee again. And I won't even count the biscuits. There's the parlour locked. I'll throw away the key if you want. And where would our granddaughters play? To them it's an empty room. I'll get Carolina to give it a good clean before they arrive. Blow away all the ghosts. Now, give me your hand. It's shaking. Not when you hold it. Let's get this coffee on. Will the rain hold off? It can pour on at once once I'm sitting down with you. That was Morning Coffee by Dermot Bulger. Dunica Crowley played John and Helen Roach was Julia. Carolina was played by Tatiana Uliankina and Eamon Morrissey was Desmond. On sound was Damien Chanel. Morning Coffee by Dermot Bulger was directed by Ethna Hand. If you've been affected in any way by issues aired in this play, help and advice is available at rte.ie forward slash support. Drama on One. Sundays at 8pm. rte.ie forward slash drama on one. Drama on One.